Hi everybody, this is Christy Wolf. I'm a partner in Kelly Dry's advertising group, and I'm here today to talk about making it in the USA, specifically product origin claims, and when origin claims matter, and what kinds of claims might get companies into trouble with the Federal Trade, Federal Trade Commission. For those of you who are regular readers of our blog, Ad Law Access, you'll know that made in USA claims are frequently targets of FTC investigations and closing letters, and so let's talk a little bit about what kinds of claims um, constitute made in USA claims, what you need to substantiate them, what the enforcement risks are, and what is some of the recent activity relative to these kinds of claims. So just as a baseline point, uh, what is the difference between a made in USA claim and let's say a made in Mexico or a made in China claim? Well, made in USA is considered for most products an advertising claim. That is, it is not required on most products. It is one that the FTC has jurisdiction over pursuant to the Federal Trade Commission Act, and there are specific requirements to substantiate it. Now, I would note that California is a state that has a unique labeling standard for made in USA labeled products. There are, of course, certain kinds of products that also have country of origin labeling requirements on them, such as textiles, wools, and furs. And there are also specific automobile labeling requirements relative to country of origin. But when we see something like made in China or made in Mexico, that's a custom standard, right? So that is something that has to be marked on the product to get it across the US border um, and make sure that it is compli compliant with customs regulations. That's not an advertising standard. So the FTC is of the opinion that made in USA claims are uniquely powerful claims. They are really persuasive for consumers. And I think that one of the best examples of that, if you want to just look at the pure power of a made in USA claim, is to look at the advertising that WeatherTech has done over the last several years, in particular their Super Bowl ads. They came out with Super Bowl ads a few years ago talking about WeatherTech floor mats made in USA showing American workers and talking about American jobs and having a really high quality product. So starting even with the first year that WeatherTech ran their Super Bowl ad, their revenues increased by double digits, their call center traffic increased by double digits, and this pattern has continued every year since then. We'll put some WeatherTech ads on our blog so you can get a sense for what kind of advertising this is and see how these claims are conveyed. So what is required to substantiate a made in USA claim? Well, putting it very simply, it is three main things, although of course every ad needs to be looked at uh, in, in its full context and considering, considering what kinds of claims are conveyed and what would they mean to the reasonable consumer. But if we're just boiling it down quickly for purposes of this podcast, it's three things. One, all or virtually all significant parts and processing must be of US origin. So it's a fairly high threshold. All or virtually all clearly isn't everything, but it's pretty close. Um, the article must have been substantially transformed in the U.S., and substantial transformation is really a custom standard. It means taking the raw parts, the components, the ingredients, whatever those raw parts of that product are, and transforming them into a new and different product that has a different use and a different character from the raw parts. And finally, the final finishing for that product must take place in the United States. So there are our three main requirements. And one of the things that our clients frequently asked about, ask about is, well, what happens if I have a product that's already out there and I want to 
you know, make that claim now, right? I essentially want to back into a made in USA claim for a product that is already in the market. And that can be very difficult depending on exactly what your product is, what kind of sourcing arrangements you have, manufacturing considerations and stuff like this. And so what we frequently see companies do when they want to talk about some sort of domestic manufacturing capability, but maybe can't meet the all or virtually all standard, for example, is they'll make some kind of a qualified claim. So maybe it's made in USA with um, imported parts or built in the USA with global materials or something like that. And those are allowable provided that they are substantiated um, and they don't overstate the degree to which something is done in the United States, whether that's the manufacturing or the sourcing or however you specifically uh, describe that particular, the, that particular product. Now, there is one prohibition in terms of that you want to watch out for in terms of not overstating what is done here, and that is watch out for screwdriver assembly. Um, we all know it when we see it, and, and I think most of us will be fairly familiar with it. It's, it's, you know, kind of put it yourself together type furniture and stuff like this. So, for example, if you take the pieces of the IKEA dresser out of the box um, and you put it together, that's not substantial transformation, right? That is, that, that would be considered screwdriver assembly. Or for example, if a television is imported and it simply doesn't have the, you know, back panel screwed on and the boxes are open and the back panel is screwed on, but everything else is just as it is when, once it's ready for sale, that's screwdriver assembly, right? That is not uh, sufficient to substantiate a made in USA type claim, okay? By contrast, where we take the raw parts or raw ingredients and we mix them together or process them together into a new and different item, that's what we need in order to have uh, substantial transformation. When you think about qualifying terms, those are also things that need to be considered carefully. So manufactured in or crafted in or handcrafted in, depending on context, could be considered to be the same as made in. So you want to think carefully about what are we conveying and is there a way that we can make the claim that we want to make without taking on unnecessary risk. And this raises the natural question, well, what is the risk? So today we're talking specifically about the FTC risk, but there are other kinds of risk too, such as risk from a, a competitor in terms of filing a pot potential advertising challenge at the NAD. And, and if you're not familiar with what that is, I want to just direct you to a podcast episode done by my colleague John Villafranco on challenging a competitor's claim. Um, there's also Lanham Act litigation that could be a possibility in a really high stakes kind of scenario. But if we're coming back to the FTC, um, the real risk is in some kind of investigation going on that results in um, potential you know, lawsuits or, or an administrative or federal court order that requires the company to follow specific standards or be subject to civil penalties. Um, now, Made in USA tends to be and has been for the last few years an enforcement priority for the FTC. Um, for 2019, for example, we've seen so far eight closing letters and uh, I believe two settlements. Now, a closing letter is the most common resolution to these kinds of investigations. It is simply where the company gets a letter from the FTC. It says, hey, we've taken a look at your advertising. You're making the following claims. It, you know, we have a concern that you may have violated the FTC and we would like to get some information from you and talk about this. They tend to resolve these with a closing letter 
in part for resource purposes because the agency, like all federal agencies, is, is inherently um, resource limited. Um, but also, I think it's a recognition that this is a uniquely high bar, a uniquely difficult claim to substantiate. And there are companies out there that you know may, may be um, making good faith efforts, but simply not uh, fully in compliance, but are willing to bring themselves into compliance. And so when you look at the closing letters, it fre- they will frequently acknowledge the company agreed to take certain steps, such as uh, modifying advertising, modifying um, um, social media posts and stuff like this to bring their claims into compliance. Modifying labeling is another one that is frequently seen. Over the last few years, though, we have seen, you know, between 20 uh, and 30 closing letters relating to made in USA claims. And I think that we'll probably see some more as we go through the second half of 2019, since it has certainly been a focus. And I, there's no reason to think it won't be a focus in the uh, in the coming months. So what else has been going on in terms of uh, possible uh, concern around made in USA claims? Actually, quite a bit. Um, as everyone who has been watching the news knows, domestic manufacturing has been a priority for this particular administration, and they really want the claim made in USA to mean something both to manufacturers and to consumers. And so as a result, we've seen quite a bit of discussion amongst the current FTC commissioners uh, and the administration around what does this claim mean? What should the punishment be if companies are just in blatant violation of it? And so in relation to that, there were some settlements that came out earlier this year relating to companies called Patriot Puck and Nectar Mattresses and um, Sandpiper in particular that related to very different kinds of products, you know, hockey pucks, backpacks, mattresses, and and slightly different types of claims. Um, Some were, you know, 100% American made, the only American made hockey puck. Sandpiper also claimed to make, you know, their backpacks 100% in the USA, but in fact, it sounds like they were importing finished product in many instances. And then on Nectar mattresses, they were making an assembled in USA claim, but in fact, once, uh, as, as indicated in the FTC's press release, there was no U.S. assembly going on. And so these cases were started before the current commissioners were actually um, impaneled. And, and there's been quite a bit of questioning going on in terms of, uh, you know, what, what settlements were actually appropriate. Now, these companies all agreed to settle their cases with the FTC that we, they were uh, they included injunctive relief, which is we promise not to make unsubstantiated claims. And if they do make unsubstantiated claims and there's a follow-on enforcement action, they can be subject to civil penalties. Well, some new commissioners, particularly Commissioner Chopra uh, and some members of the U.S. Senate have said, hey, that's not enough. There needs to be a harsher penalty. There needs to be a financial penalty for these companies. And so one thing to watch for in orders that are coming out is a provision in which uh, settlement orders in particular is a provision in which companies admit that they engaged in wrongdoing and and the entire purpose of this language is to cause there to be potential follow-on liability either from consumers or from state attorneys general or something like this so that even if the ftc cannot under current law administer a financial penalty for a first-time offender if you will someone else can do that. In addition, there is discussion ongoing in terms of what should the proper uh, 
punishment be for egregious violations of the Made in USA rules. And the FTC has said in testimony that they are going to host a workshop on this topic sometime in the near future, although we do not have details on that just yet, but definitely something to watch for. So what should you do if you're making Made in USA claims and you're not entirely sure? Well, take a look at your substantiation. Think about, do we meet all or virtually all? Is it substantially transformed? Is the product finished in the United States? And if not, what kind of a modification should be made to bring it into compliance? Is it a qualified claim? Is there some other way that you can talk about your domestic manufacturing capabilities without uh, overstating them in a way that could potentially be deceptive to consumers? And if this is something that is new to you, we're going to put up a link to a webinar that we did a, um, several months ago, but it remains current on our website. Check it out, and there's a lot of good information there about how to substantiate these claims and things to think about. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.